Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the fifth down. I'm your host, Jose, with me tonight are Brad and Junie. What's up, guys? What's going on? Uh, you know, ready for summer. Yeah, yep. Yeah. NBA playoffs heating up. Yeah. Exciting, exciting times. The only thing not heating up is the quarterback market for uh, um, Baker Mayfield. <laughs> you know, he might just, he might be better off staying hey. in Cleveland. Hey, Watson may hey, not start. Hey, let's give Baker props. He has better commercials than Matt Stafford, okay? Yes. I miss the progressive commercials. Like way better. Way better. Yeah, I don't, close. I don't know where Matt Stafford went for like acting classes, but his commercial sucks. Uh yeah, they they're not as good as Baker, but Matthew Stafford went to more quarterback classes. And that's evident. Yeah, I'll take the commercials. Yeah, I mean, you got to take what you can get. Uh, They probably paid a pretty penny to Baker for those commercials. So, Mm -hmm. you know, Hulu, progressive. He's not he's not missing out on much. No, and you know, and he's got 18 million reasons to not give a fuck this this season. If he has to sit at home for a whole year. I don't think he's going to cry. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure he's going to be just fine. He'll probably Mm -hmm. move. He'll probably move out of Ohio, which in itself is already a win. Like, not having to live in Ohio. Are you kidding me? Like, you know, he can move to Florida. He can move to California. It's up to him. He could even move back to Oklahoma, Texas. Like, dude, dude will be just fine. But let's talk about the draft. The draft, you know, it was an interesting one. We didn't really have that star power this year. You know, the top players were defensive ends. So, like, you know, like, I mean – don't get me wrong, a strong defensive line is still very important to any team, but it doesn't really bring the hype that having like like a strong quarterback class or a strong like the the receiving class was good, but I don't think it had like none of them were really like that hyped in terms of like their personality. Like they were all like, you know, for the most part pretty like quiet. Like so like you didn't really have the personalities like like selling themselves to the teams. So I think that's why this year's draft kind of went like a little bit more quietly. I don't know if you guys got the same sense from that. Yeah, honestly, I think it was just the quarterback market. Um, Everyone loves drafting quarterbacks. Uh, That's what we all come to see. You know, the most exciting ones are the ones where you have, you know, teams trading up to get a quarterback and we didn't have that, you know, in this draft. Um, you know, so I think that's where the excitement went, but it looked like a lot of fun out there in Vegas. Um, you know, definitely a lot of good players get going to a lot of teams that need them. Right, right. And, and I think that's the key thing to highlight is there's a lot of good talent, a lot of good players, not necessarily guys who are going to um, change a franchise in terms of a once in a generation type player you know, a la Chase Young, um, Trevor Lawrence. Um, but there's a lot of good, solid talent that was drafted. Yeah, I, I agree. Some teams are are much better after this draft than other teams. You're left wondering, like, what the fuck was the coach thinking? You know, like, but, you know, I know everybody's getting after Bill Belichick, but, I mean, dude has, you know, six rings, like, I trust them. I think, think you know, Patriots will be just fine. But let's talk about 
like three winners and three losers. Like, you know, a team that we thought was a winner and a team that we thought was a loser. We'll start with, with you, Brad. Who 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 was your winner this draft? Yeah, to me, it was a pretty easy. Really, the teams that we all consider to be winners are teams where we're going to see instant impact, have that, that you know, that name appeal. They're, they're just highly visible out there. And for me, that was Atlanta. I thought the Falcons did a lot to address the needs. They may only get one or two more wins, but when you take a look at that roster, you're a lot more comfortable looking at it and saying, okay, they might be fielding something. You know, uh, first round, I pick Drake London, USC, first wide receiver taken off the board. If you were like the Canadian Drake and, you know, you put a bet on them, you made out. Um, you know, Junie's, I know Junie really wanted him to fall to the commanders, but Wash, uh, you know, Atlanta really liked him and rightfully so. The dude's, you know, he's a playmaker, uh, contested catches. I think he, he'll do a lot for any team that gets him. Um, you know, day two, they address, you know, edge and linebacker. We all know that Atlanta's defense is bad. So spending, you know, not necessarily a first round pick, but uh second round pick, still high draft picks to show up that defense was 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 you know well warranted. And the third third round pick, um 74th overall, they got a quarterback in Desmond Ritter. We all know that their quarterback situation is not it's not set in stone. They could make a flip, you know, four games, six games into the season or game one. We don't know. So Desmond Ritter, you know, he was high on a lot of people's draft boards and you get him at r relatively cheap in round three. Yeah, I agree. That, they had a good draft. They had a smart draft, in my opinion. Um, what about you, Junie? Who Who is your winner of this draft? Yeah, my winner, I, I hate to say this, but I think the Eagles won the draft. Um, I give them an A+. Plus. Um Drafting defense, Jordan Davis, uh, Nicobe Dean in the third round, uh, Tyron Johnson in the sixth round. Um, and then uh, most importantly, drafting another playmaker in or trading for another playmaker in A.J. Brown, trading the 18th and the uh, 101st pick uh, to um, the Titans. Um, I think that's huge for them because now they have their wide receiver one. You put Devontae Smith at number two. Um, and now Jalen Hurts has no excuses to why he can't lead that team to uh, to win playoff games. Um, I think uh, adding adding those uh, uh, those players will make the Eagles possibly the number one team in the NFC East right now. You know, I'd hate to say it, you know, but, you know, they have a lot of talent and, you know, they went to the playoffs last year. And um, let's see what they can do. Yeah, um, I mean, taking a look at it only five picks in total. So an extremely small draft class, but like you indicated, you know, you have to include AJ Brown in there, not necessarily a rookie, but you know, you gave up yeah. picks to go and get them. You sort of have to count them as a part of this draft class. And, you know, it was a lofty and extremely expensive, you know, contract that, that they gave them. Um, I have to, you know, play it out and, you know, prove that he was worth it. Philadelphia, you know, they're one of those teams with the question mark, but definitely improved. I sort of wish they had more picks. That's the only, it's the only downside I see to their draft. Yeah, like I, I almost wonder if when they made the the trade to move up to take Jordan Davis, if they really meant to take Jamison 
Williams, but he was taken a pick earlier by Detroit, who traded up to 12. So, like, I almost wonder if, like, they thought they were going to get Williams, but then they didn't, so then they moved on to A.J. Brown. Because I, I really don't think that anybody was going to take um, Jordan Davis at 13 or 14. I think he was going to be there at 15 for them. I think he's the guy that they would have taken at 15. And so, like, when their guy was gone at 13, they probably couldn't go back on the trade that they had made already. So they were like, you know what, let's take the guy we wanted at 15. And for me, talking about the Lions, to me, they were the winners of the draft because, you know, the brilliant decision by the, the Jacksonville Jaguars, which, hey, you know, it could pay off. Walker might end up being the, the stud that he was at Georgia and that scouts think that he can become at the pro level. But I, I personally thought Aiden Hutchinson was the undoubted number one in this draft. And when he fell to Detroit, the hometown kid, like, played at Michigan. Like, I mean, could you write a better story? You know, franchise that has struggled with defense. Well, I struggled with everything, but their defense hasn't been very good. And to to get, like, in many scouts' eyes, the top defensive player in the draft and then be able to maneuver their way back to the 12th pick and get Jameson Williams, who is arguably the best receiver in the draft. Had he not had the, the torn ACL, I think he would have been unquestioned the, the number one receiver taken off the board. Um, but I think that they have the pieces together. They have hard workers for uh, for Dan Campbell, who we know his philosophy. So I, I think that this team's going to show progress and it started with a draft. Yeah, I think getting Aiden was definitely a steal for them. Uh, like you said, hometown kid. Um, it's definitely going to do a lot to build up that franchise. And it's really going to come down to so much more than that team. I think that they they didn't really address any of their major issues. Um, but, you know, they, they got better in, you know, in positions where they, they just took the best available player, not necessarily a team need at that pick. Yeah. And now let's let's talk about the losers. Junie, let's we'll start with you. Who was... Who was your biggest loser of the draft? My biggest loser has to be the New England Patriots. Um, a lot of picks this year. Um, drafting Cole Strange very, very high with pick 29, a guy that was projected to be drafted in, in, in the later rounds, uh, round two, round three. Um, drafting him at number one old line. Drafting the fastest wide receiver in the draft, um, uh, with uh, Thornton, right? Thornton out of uh, Baylor had the fastest 40 time, I believe. Um, you know, which the speed doesn't necessarily always translate to a great um, career in the NFL. Um, but just looking at their draft history, yeah, they drafted Mac Jones last year, number one. But, you know, years prior, uh, Nikhil Harry, Isaiah Wynn, a lot, of these, a lot of these guys aren't that great. You know, Malcolm Brown, uh, he's actually good. Never mind. Um, Jalen or Jordan Richards. Like, there's a lot of guys that they've drafted, um, that they've drafted, in, you know, year to year that that don't re, uh, necessarily translate into, you know, becoming uh, great football players. I think Bill Belichick's really good at drafting defensive players, but in terms of skill position players, wide receivers, running backs, he's not that great. Uh, I know he drafted uh, Sony Michelle. 
um, back in 2018, which he's a solid running back. But other than that, I mean, there hasn't been a, a lot of guys that he's drafted. Um, but, you know, th this is a make or break year for Belichick. I mean, you know, this is year three without Brady and um, he has to produce. He has to win. And, you know, you know, just making it to the playoffs is not going to cut it, especially after, you know, winning seven Super Bowls. I mean, or I'm sorry, six Super Bowls. You have to. You know, he has to be able to win without Brady in order for his story to be written as, you know, the greatest coach, you know, that didn't need Tom Brady. So, um, but I think uh, New England for me is the losers in this draft. Yeah, it almost felt like New England didn't really want to draft. Um, uh, you know, a pick 29, Cole Strange, it's not that early, not that high. Um, yeah, it's your first pick, but you know, if he's a guy you like on your board, definitely pick him up. You have to grade him as you grade him. Um, but just taking a look at this, this draft class, it, it was one of those where I think they decided that they really liked their team with their off season acquisitions, you know, their trades, their signings. And these are guys that they're just likely looking to develop, um, you know, I do like Jack Jones, a local kid, Long Beach Poly. Um, I, I definitely think that there's talent there, uh, round four. Um, but I mean, as a team, they, you know, you're you're still left scratching your head because wide receiver, I don't, you know, Taquan Thornton is not it for them. Yeah, like it was weird. Like it kind of reminded me of two years ago when you know the the draft was virtual. And, you know, all these coaches, like they had their big elaborate setups for, for, for their, um, for their draft. And you had Bill Belichick with just a laptop on the kitchen table and his Husky. Like, <laughs> like, I feel like he had that same attitude for this live draft. I feel like he just pretty much had his Husky next to him. And I was like, I don't give a fuck. Like, like, nah, we'll, we'll take that guy. You know what? Eh, he's good. We'll take him. Oh, someone wants to trade with us. Sure. Whatever. Like they, and it does seem like he does have that attitude for a lot of the drafts, but I feel like he, he tends to do better with undrafted uh, free agents and like um, late round draft selections than the early round. It almost seems like he doesn't want the top talent. Like he doesn't want like, or care to draft that top talent. Like, I don't know if it's him not wanting to deal with the headaches uh, that comes with drafting these top talents, but like, he just really seems to, always look to trade down, always look to trade out if possible. Like he's definitely not one of those guys looking to be in the first round as a priority. But now moving on to my loser, I, I would have to go with the, um, the Green Bay Packers. I mean, Brad brought up a good point to us. Like, do they know that they can, that you can draft players from other teams other than Georgia, from other schools? Like, I mean, they draft two solid defensive players, but do they not realize that what they don't have is wide receivers? Yeah. And, you know, to not try and package those two first-rounders to try and move up, you know, to, like, maybe have, have had a chance to take a Burke or to take a um, – uh, Williams or somebody you know like I just I don't understand that lack of ambition like it's like you know that you need a receiver you have two first rounders in the in 
you have two late first round picks, which you know is likely not going to be enough to get the receiver you want. And yet you go out and you draft two more defensive players. Like just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, we can't really say that it's surprising because it's been the philosophy of the Packers, but like, were you guys kind of thrown off by the fact that they weren't more um, aggressive in the first round? Yeah. I mean, I like Christian Watson. I definitely think that there's potential there, but it's not year one potential. You're going to have to develop it. If we're looking for, you know, a week one wide receiver, I thought that they could have packaged up, you know, their two first round picks, try and move up in the draft to get a guy, you know, like, uh, like an Olave, you know, just, just move up to the, to the upper teens and, and go and get a guy that, you know, is ready day one. Um, maybe there's something about Christian Watson that, that they really like. Um, but I honestly didn't understand why you would wait so long when you could have got, you know, an upgrade at wide receiver over Christian Watson. And and a guy like uh, Devontae White was likely still going to be available at pick 34 in round two. So you still could have gotten your guy on the interior defensive line. Um, but, you know, just upgrade the wide receiver. Um, you know, it's still head scratching. Uh, you draft three wide receivers in this draft. Um, uh, just get one good wide receiver. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it's definitely surprising, especially losing a guy like Devontae Adams. I mean, you need a replacement in order for you guys to even be competitive. And at this point, you know, they're, you know, they're, 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 they're worse than they were you know, after that uh, 49er game, I mean, they needed to get playmakers. I mean, the guy at uh, North Dakota State, you know, he's he's decent, but he's not Devontae Adams. You know, you there were so many, there were so many uh, playmakers available, you know, in the first 20 picks, but they decided to wait. And like what you were saying, Jose, they could have easily packaged those two first round picks to move up. Um you, you know, in the top 10 and the top 15 to get one of these guys that like Olave, Garrett Wilson. Um, uh, there were so many, there were so many wide receivers available for them to take, but I think it's, 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 it's what Green Bay is about. You know, they, you know, they think that Aaron Rodgers can do everything, which I mean, Aaron Rodgers thinks he can do everything, but at the same time, you know, in terms of the results, you know, they haven't won in, in years and, you know, you know, just because you're getting defensive talent doesn't mean that you're going to win this. This is an offensive league. And if you don't have the skill position players, um, you're not going to win. You know, Aaron Rodgers is, you know, is not good enough to take that team to the Super Bowl by himself. He needs he needs playmakers around him and Green Bay failed. Yeah. And now we'll have to wait and see what this group of, you know, underdeveloped um, talents is going to be able to do this season. I mean, you're, you're asking a lot of Randall Cobb and, um, and Sammy Watkins and Alan Lazard. You're, you're asking them to step into a role of a guy that had over 150 targets, you know? So it's, it's going to be hard, but Hey, you know, Aaron Rodgers knew what he was stepping into when he took all that money. He can say all he wants that he thought, Devontae Adams was going to be back. He knows that that's not true and that he took all the money. So how could that Devontae Adams be back? But now moving on to you, Brad, who was your loser? 
Um, it, honestly, it's one of those teams where they could easily be a winner in three years' time, just because of how of how they drafted. But for me, just going off of what I saw, it's Jacksonville. I don't know if they saw Verbin Meyer in the building, um, but th- th- there's some real head scratching going around, you know, around that that organization. I like pick one, Trevon Walker. Um, if he's your guy, you did your homework on him. Okay, go and get him. And I did like, uh, you know, their linebacker pick, Devin Lloyd, Utah. I think he's going to be great. But I don't know if if they did enough, you know, offensively. Maybe they should have just gone all defense. Um, it, it's one of those where I think they overpaid in the offseason for some players. Um, you're, you're likely better off drafting some, some talent to develop. Um, I I just don't understand what they're doing as an organization. I get it. It's, you know, a new, a new staff, you know, you got Trent Balky in there. Um, but to draft a running back in round five, when you have Travis Etienne, who didn't even play last year, this is really going to be his rookie year. And you still have James Robinson. You have two solid backs. Well, once you go in round five to, you know, try and get some more defensive help. I liked what they did. I just, I just think that, you know, they didn't help themselves in the off season with this draft and, you know, in the free agency market, I thought if they had a better defensive signings in the free agency, this would have been a great draft, but you know, we'll see in two, three years time. Yeah. Can't explain it any other way other than it's the Jaguars. This is what they do. This is why they always have a top five pick. I feel bad for Trevor Lawrence. You know, he's going to get beat up again. I mean, you got to protect your quarterback, man. Like, they really couldn't draft, you know, anybody to help him out. I mean, you know, like, I don't know. It's just it's hard to fathom, but you just hope that Trevor Lawrence can can run for his life all season and, and not really get hurt. But now moving on, you know, to like something that had ramifications from the draft, and that was Malik Willis slipping to the third round for the the Titans. Um, it seems like Tannehill is not really looking to be a mentor. Now, I get it if you're like Brett Favre and you don't want to hear it, but like, come on, man, Ryan Tannehill. Like, I mean, I wouldn't want him to be my mentor to begin with. Like, I mean, you know, like, what what am I gonna learn from him? Like, you know, like how to be a mediocre quarterback in the NFL. But, like, for him to try and, like, act like, oh, you know, it's not really my job to be his mentor. It's like, look, man, this quarterback's going to be ready by the time your contract's up. So, like, like you're, he's not really here to take your job. He's here to replace you when you're done. Like, why, why is it that Ryan Tannehill is taking on this, like, negative attitude of, like, then drafting a young QB to – you know, potentially replace him in a couple of years. Like, like, why do you guys think that he's so aversive to it? Yeah, insecurities, man. I mean, he had a bad playoff game um, recently versus the Bengals. I mean, they should have won that game, you know, and, and, you know, they, Tennessee's defense literally kept him in the game. I think he threw four interceptions in that game. Um, and that fourth interception just killed them. That was a backbreaker. And I feel like he he feels like 
okay, hey, they paid him. He's a franchise guy. But then they draft, you know, Malik Willis, who is an up and coming um, rookie. And now he has to look over his shoulder. But the thing is, is that if he's confident, you know, he will let his game speak for himself, you know, and he will he will let, you know, his actions on the field, you know, lead lead the team. And but instead, he's, you know, coming off an, as an asshole, a guy like Alex Smith uh, knew when Patrick Mahomes was drafted that he was going to be replaced. Well, what did Alex Smith baller. do? Yeah. While he's a pro bowler, Alex Smith, Alex Smith is a pro. He's a pro's pro. And he took the high road and said, look, you know, I'm going to teach this guy and then I'm going to mold him, you know, and, and I'm going to help him out. And, you know, with Ryan Tannehill, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to give this guy all your tricks, but you got to show him, you know, you, you know, you got to show him the ropes. You got to show him how to be a professional. You got to show him how to, you know, how to put in the work and, to me, I think that's selfish. And, you know, guys like Kurt Warner even talk about it, how, you know, like, you know, telling quarterbacks, hey, look, if you need a mentor, you know, hit me up. You know, yeah. guys like that, guys are guys like Kurt Warner who, are, you know, who are Hall of Famer. Those type of guys are the guys who are not insecure that they that they know their ability. They want to share their knowledge with the young rookies. And uh, it's unfortunate because, you know, Ryan Tannehill has the opportunity, uh, but he doesn't want to do it. Yeah, for a guy that, you know, was left for dead and resurrected his career, you'd think he'd be a lot more forgiving. Um, you know, I don't know what's going on in Ryan Tannehill's head or if he never had a mentor when he entered this league. But come on, man, you are 33 years old. You're 10 years into the league. The writing's on the wall. We know you're not going to be there forever. OK, yeah, this might be this might be the best that, that you're going to do. And let's also be honest. He was a, he was picked in what round four. He's not going to take your job day one. Right, right. You have to get him as ready as possible because I'm sorry, Ryan Tannehill, but you are no spring chicken. I mean, you, ha you had a capsule injury in 2018, you had a partially torn ACL, you know, in 2017, um, you know, and and he did it again, uh, partially torn ACL in 2016. You're old. The injuries are there. Um, you, you benefit in that. You, you know, you get to play in a run first defense, but you should be doing everything possible to help your team win games. It's clear that you're not concerned about the team winning, but you just want to win. And, you know, it sucks because... I didn't know he was this selfish about it. You know, you sort of see him in a different light, but I mean, you've been in the league 10 years, you know, you, you sort of have to bring up the next generation. Yeah, I agree. It's, um, it just, it doesn't make sense. Like I would understand if he was like 30, if he was like 29, but he's 33. I mean, he's on the downslope of his career. He's got, you know, got two three years left maybe at most I mean because like he's not you know he's not Tom Brady he's not Drew Brees he's not one of these guys that can play at to the end of his 30s you know like he's he's an average quarterback so like I don't like his attitude I think that ultimately this is gonna make the locker room not look at him in the best possible light because they're gonna take offense to the fact that he doesn't want to help 
you know, develop this young brother, you know, who already is suffering from the fact that, you know, he was supposed to go in the first round and fell to the third round. You know, he's already struggling with having to hear that from the, from the scouts, the experts, you know, saying like, oh, you fell because you weren't good enough or you, there's all these question marks. So he already has all these doubts in his head and to hear, you know, the guy that's going to be above you being like, like, no, like, you know, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to help you out, man. Like, it just, it's going to be a lot for Mike Bravel that he's going to have to handle. But now moving on to the, the NBA playoffs, um, you know, the, the second round hasn't quite been as exciting as the first round, but the Golden State-Memphis um, series has definitely given us something to, to talk about. Um, do you guys think that Memphis is coming off as a dirty team? Yeah, I think I think you can argue that. It, um, you know, they're definitely a physical team. Um, dirty, I don't know if I've seen enough to to you know label them as dirty but they're definitely a lot more physical than i thought um you know there's still plenty of games left to be played series tied up um definitely going to be the most entertaining one out of the uh, conference semis yeah i i think they're dirty um draymond had the flagrant two in game one which i, I don't know if it was a flagrant two maybe flagrant one the pull was kind of weird uh, when he pulled the jersey after the hit, um, I think they wanted to send the message to Golden State that they don't, you know, that they're not going to bully them. They're not going to back down. Dylan Brooks, you know, literally knocked the hell out of GP. Um, now he's out um, possibly until the finals, if they make it to the finals. Um, and then all the elbowing, the, you know, Draymond gets some stitches, you know, they, they, they want to act tough. But the thing is, is that this is a championship team. You know, you got a lot of veterans who have championship experience. Um, and with Memphis, I mean, you know, yeah, you have Ja. You know, Ja had a great game, but I don't know if Ja can do that, you know, three more times and win. You know, I don't, I don't know if it's possible. I mean, I love Ja. I love his game. But, you know, if, if you shut the inside down, if you don't let him take it to the basket, his, his jump shot is, is decent. It's not that great. Um, but I, I think they can – you know, with Golden State, I, I, I don't think they can match uh, what Golden State brings, especially when playing in, in San Francisco. So, um, but I do think the Grizzlies are dirty and I think the Warriors are going to make them pay for it when they go home. Yeah, I, def I definitely think that Memphis is, um, they're just, they're too young. And I think that they're, their dirty hits are, are a reflection of their, um, I think, of their youth and them just feeling outmatched by Golden State. Um, I don't think John Morant's dirty, but I think his, um, I think his teammates are. Um, I, I think it's going to be done in five. Um, I think Golden State's angry, especially the fact that Gary Payton Jr. You know, is out for the series, at least this series, possibly next. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't like their chances. And what do you guys think of Philadelphia? Like, do you guys think that they're pretty much done too without Embiid? Yeah. Uh, I think they just ran into a buzzsaw in the heat. 
think Butler is sort of uh, rejuvenated for this series. Um, you know, it, it's just too much from the heat and not having enough firepower in uh, Philly. Yeah, I think they're done. I mean, Harden's a shell of himself. Um, Embiid is, the you know, showing people why he was the MVP this year. I mean, that the team is struggling without him. The Heat are too deep. Tyler Hero, um, freaking Jimmy Butler. Uh, they're, they're so deep. Um, you know, Oladipo. I mean, it, it, you know, I thought Philly would possibly win one or two games with Embiid, but I don't. I, I think they're going to sweep him. I mean, um, they're just too much. Uh, Miami is, you know, I think Miami and Boston is going to be a crazy series when that happens, but um, Miami is definitely going to sweep. Yeah. Yeah. That, I think even if Embiid comes back for games three and four, I, I just don't think they'll have enough. I think uh, Philadelphia, unfortunately, they're looking old. Um, I think Embiid is full of life, but I think his teammates are not. Um so, yeah, I think that that series is probably going to wrap up in four. And um, we'll see how it go- if Miami can keep it up. They're reminding me of that team in the bubble. Um, moving on to Boston and Milwaukee. I feel like this might be the only series to go seven games at the, in this phase. Um, I think that this series is looking like it's definitely going to be back and forth. Like, we definitely had both teams kind of show their hand. Um, in the first two games, like uh, Milwaukee had a really strong game one and and Boston responded from getting hit in the mouth and, you know, and they took game two. And I feel like it's going to keep getting split like that. So I, I definitely see it going seven. Um, both sides have just tremendous star power. Um, but yeah, I think out of the, the second round series, I think it's the most entertaining one. And I, I definitely see it going seven. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, I mean, I I think it, it'll be difficult without Middleton for the Bucks. I mean, the freak is doing his thing like he always does. Uh, Holiday's there, too. Um, and they also have Bobby Portis. But, you know, with Jason Tatum, uh, Jalen Brown, I mean, Jason Tatum right now is ascending right now. Um, he's up there with John Moran and um, Luca as as the, you know, the new superstars of the league. Um, I think he's having, like, a crazy playoff run right now. And um, I think he'll be too much for the Bucks. I mean, I love Giannis. I think he's the best player in the league right now. But I think having Middleton out is going to hurt them. And uh, depending if he comes back in the series or not, I mean, I think that's a big deal. Um, I don't see this going seven, maybe six. Um, but I definitely have Boston winning the series. Um, once again, Jason Tatum is way too, you know, way too good. Um, and I, I think they win. Yeah, it's hard for me to uh, root against Giannis, but think in this one you know clearly the better team is boston i think the best player on the court is you know giannis um he's really gonna have to show out to win this series for them if he doesn't get enough help and that's a you know that that's a tough call it's definitely possible um yeah i agree this has a possibility to go to seven but i think it's likely gonna end in six um i think boston just overall the better team and they're just going to win out. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see. I mean, it's definitely been exciting up to now. The game's not so much because both teams have kind of controlled the game they won. So we're definitely hoping for games three and four to be a little more, uh, a little closer. Um, so we can get a little more of that Memphis Golden State excitement, but maybe without the dirty plays. 
Um, and finally, Phoenix Dallas. You know, I don't I don't feel like many like we're talking as much about this series, like or that you hear as much chatter about this series. But you got Luka Doncic, man, and Devin Booker just balling out, and you have um, CP3 balling out, you know, and, and Jalen Bronson is showing up. Like, I think it's an underrated series, and it's one that I think I don't think Dallas is gonna go quietly, but I think that Phoenix is just too much. Um, is that the sense you guys get too? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think this is a great series. Uh, the, these two teams have a they've ha- they have a storied rivalry. Um, you know, you go back as far as you want to, and they've always played each other extremely competitively. And just to go into the playoffs, you know, it adds more to that to the history and to the rivalry that they have. Um, you know, just looking at rosters, like how we were taking a look at, you know, Boston and and Milwaukee, I definitely think Phoenix has the better roster. But I also think they have the best player on, on the field, on the court, and I think they might have the two or three best players. Luca's good, but I don't think he's he he's necessarily on the level of, of Booker or Paul or Aiton in this series because you got to play both ways. Um, you know, and if, if we know anything about playoff basketball, it's going to come down to defense and just making those stops every now and then. And I, I think that when you factor in the entirety of the game, I think that they probably have the two or three best players on the court. Yeah. Phoenix is way too much for Dallas. Um, it's not even close. Devin Booker, Chris Paul, uh, combined tonight, 58 points. I mean, DeAndre Aiden, they're way too deep. Um, Miles Bridges, and then off the bench, I mean, you got McGee, you got Payne. I, I mean, so deep. Uh, the thing with Dallas is they're 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 a good team, but Luca needs he needs a Robin, and he doesn't have a Robin. You know, Brunson is not a Robin. You know, Dim Dinwiddie's not a Robin. Um, he needs a guy in the offseason that's going to complement him in order for this team to to go deep in the playoffs. Um, I think Doncic is is the best player on the floor, uh, but in terms of both ways, like what Brad was saying, he he doesn't have it on the defensive end. Um, and the thing with Chris Paul is you need to agitate him. You need to get in his face. You need to you need to body him like um, like Alvarado did last series. Um, and Dallas doesn't have that. You know he doesn't. They don't have a pest like that. So um, I think this is going to be a sweep. I think Phoenix is going to cruise into the third round, you know, waiting for Golden State. And, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I definitely agree. Bronson, he's good, but, like, he's not quite going to ever be Robin. Like, you know. Yeah, he's not, yeah. He can't can't fill those um, Robin tights, you know. So, like, like, I think, especially with this offseason being the one that he needs to get paid in, I think that Dallas should use him as bait in a sign and trade to try and get themselves that Robin that they need, you know, like maybe, you know, who knows, maybe, you know, the Lakers are desperate and really want to get rid of Anthony Davis that bad, or, you know, maybe the, the Knicks with, you know, um, with uh, Randall, like there's definitely options out there. Um, I think that they'll just have to do their due diligence I know a lot of times you can get stuck in the nostalgia and the love that you have for the player, but like, will paying Jalen Brunson really make them compete with Phoenix next year? No, we already know what they do with this roster. So like paying Brunson is not going to make a difference next season. So like, 
yeah, those are the tough decisions Dallas is going to make. I agree. Good team, but just outmatched. And now moving on to finish up with uh, UFC. Um, what number are we up to now, guys? Is it 270? 274. Oh, UFC okay. 274, yep. Um, who's highlighting this one? Oliveira. Justin Gaethje. Yeah, big fight. Big lightweight title fight. Uh, you got the champion, Oliveira who's hot right now going up against arguably the most violent striker in MMA, Justin Gaethje. Um, Oliveira is the favorite right now uh, going into this fight. I mean, and then you got uh, Rose um, underneath that, uh, underneath that fight, uh, women's strawweight title versus uh, Carla Esparza. Um, and then possibly the best fight on the card, Michael Chandler versus Tony Ferguson. That's another fight where, you know, two guys like to bang and, um, you know, it's going to be fireworks. Um, and then also, you know, you got the veterans on the card, Donald Cerrone versus Joe Lozon. So you got guys that have been in the UFC 15 years plus that are, you know, fighting in, on, you know, in, on the undercard. So it's going to be an exciting, uh, exciting uh, card top to bottom. Yeah. I, I like the card. I mean, definitely doesn't have the, the headline appeal as, as other, you know other ufcs but i think it's definitely going to be entertaining especially like you said i think the chandler ferguson fight is going to be great at lightweight and you know same thing with uh with rose and uh olivera and gacy gaichi mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah th- this is a big uh, fight for tony ferguson he's on a big losing streak right now and he has to get out of that hole if he wants to stay in the ufc and and, and you know eventually compete for a title again i mean this is his chance to get out of that hole you know because he hasn't been the same ever since you know those those uh khabib you know potential fights that never happened you know michael chandler just came off one of the best fights versus justin gaethje so i mean he's he's feeling good about himself he's the heavy favorite in this title match or um in this fight should i say um and then with justin gaethje i mean this is his chance to you know get that ufc uh lightweight title that he's been wanting i mean the dude's been close you know khabib smoked him the first time he was in a title fight and you know this is his chance to fight a guy who is not as good as khabib but he's he's pretty good so it's it's going to be exciting it's cinco de mayo you know you we uh, we also got canelo fighting on the other side of uh, boxing which is going to be exciting you know he's fighting a guy that i don't know about but he seems like he's a decent fighter so um, I, it's, it's a good, it's a good fight card all around for the weekend and for Cinco de Mayo. Yeah. I mean, uh, the real losers of this weekend is going to be your diet. Um, you know, there's just going to be a lot of eating, <laughs> um, you know, winners, uh, should be everyone, you know, especially yeah, if yeah. you're Mexican, yeah. uh, you know, I, I know this isn't, this is more of an American holiday <laughs> than a Mexican holiday, but Hey, any reason to drink? And eat, you know, everyone's for oh, any grocery store you go to right now, Brad. Coronas and Pacificos, man, all over. MLL, yeah, yeah, all over yeah. The yeah. And you know, they're just trying to peddle product, and I like it, especially the title card. Uh, you know, if we're picking winners and losers here, um, I think Oliver is going to finish it. Uh, yeah, um, you know, Gate Justin's three losses have been, you know, he's been finished. It's been submitted, and, and I think Oliver definitely has a good chance to do it. Um, you know, and I think he 
he keeps his strap around his waist. Interesting. I, I have it the other way, Brad. I have Justin Gaethje winning, uh, upsetting the champion. I think he is hungry. I think he learned from that um, that Khabib fight. I mean, Justin's a wrestler, and he's a he's the better striker out of the two. Um, Oliveira has a better jujitsu. He has a better um, uh, submission game, but I think it, um, he's going to stay on, or they're going to keep it on the feet, and I think uh, they're going to bang it out. So, but I have Gaethje winning this one. You guys think yeah. all, the, all the negativity surrounding Dana White by some of like the top stars has affected the the product at all, or do you guys feel like Dana White does a good job brushing that off and just continuing to put a good product out there? No, I don't think it really impacts the UFC as a whole. It might impact him as a person, but as a whole, the product is there. It doesn't matter who's you know the face of the company. It's a good product. Uh, I I think the biggest concern Dana White should have is paying your fighters and not losing out your talent yeah i mean he you know he might lose francis francis and gano the heavyweight champion right now he his contract is expiring and you know he's talking about fighting tyson fury and if they don't put a clause in his contract where he can fight tyson fury and he can fight in the ufc i don't think he you know i don't think francis and gano is going to turn down a big payday to fight um Tyson Fury, the heavyweight champion. So I, I definitely think that in terms of the pay structure that the UFC needs to wake up because they're, they're going to start having their talent walk out on them because you, you have leagues like bare knuckle and Bellator that are paying way more, you know, just to sign with them. So, I mean, the UFC has to really think about, you know, what they're paying these fighters because they're getting underpaid. And, you know, let's face it. I mean, Dana White makes that argument that, you know, boxing, you know, boxing is overpaying some fighters, but, you know, the top fighters that they're paying deserve it. I mean, the, the, the Tyson Furies, the, the Deontay Wilders, you know, the, you know, Spence, you know, Canelo's, all these guys, Anthony Joshua's. Yeah. You gotta yeah, pay the, these guys. Keep yeah, them happy. But I feel like in boxing, even the guys like Terrence Crawford that are just good, they get paid too. And I feel like in UFC, like even like the guys that should be getting paid really good are only getting paid kind of like yeah, short. and and they, they could get away with that, you know, mm-hmm. um, when they were the only show in town. But you know, like Juni said, <laughs> you have knuckle fighting. You have Bellator, you have one, you just have a lot more uh-huh. fight promotions out there just taking away cards. And listen, we all thought boxing was dead and, you know, it was killed off by the UFC. But when you have UFC fighters saying, hey, I'm willing to go out and box, you're, you know, boxing is sort of getting reinvigorated. Okay. Yeah, look at Logan Paul and Jake Paul. I mean, yeah. those two guys are the perfect example of that. Yeah. And like- I mean, Come on, if I had to choose a fight that I had to watch this weekend, I'm going to watch Canelo, yeah. you know? I I know how the fight's going to go. I'll be completely honest with you, but you know, I think it's a better show. I think it's going to be a better product out there. Um, and yeah, those guys get paid. And if you want to stay that competitive, you know, Dana, start paying your dudes. Um, you know, I don't think it's impacting what gets out there, but eventually I think it's going to have an effect. Yep. 100%. Yeah. Well, I, I hope you guys enjoy your, your Cinco de, the drinkos. Um, have fun, be safe. And, you know, um, let's not forget it's mother's day. 
Yes. yes. We got to celebrate yes. the mothers too. Definitely. Mm-hmm. The mothers should be a priority. Um, Jose, before we, before we leave, can you rank the, the Mexican beers? Can you rank them from like best to worst? I would say I'd probably have Dos Equis at the top for myself, um, um, followed by Corona, followed by Modelo, followed by um, Pacifico, followed by Soul, and then Tecate. I don't like Tecate. Oh, no, no Tecate. Okay. Tecate con carácter. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Dos Equis has always been my favorite. There you go. Yep. All right, guys. Enjoy your Cinco de Drinkos on your Mother's Days. Um, be safe. Do not drink and drive. You know, that's why we have Uber and all those other fun little apps that you can get lost with. But, all right, you guys. Yes. Till the next time. It's the fifth down. Later. Later.